We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your guest host, Johnny T. And today my guest is Marcus Davis. Marcus has served in a number of areas, including consultant, multimedia producer, professor, and ministry, with a goal to help others to understand advice and its application. He's also a musician and an author, and a book that's just been published called Challenging Your Worldview in Search of a More Excellent Way. Welcome to the show, Marcus. It's awesome to have you here. Thank you. Listening to you read all those things I've done makes me feel a little bit tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, life can be busy, that's for sure. But you know what? I've said it before and I'll say it again. It has to be manageable to be meaningful. Yes, that's a pretty powerful way to put it. If, If it's not managed well and you're not open to God being in it and stopping to pray, stopping to make sure that you're still on the path that he will have you and adding in the people, the, the ingredients that God would put forth for you, then yeah, it's probably not manageable and it's probably not going to be impactful, meaningful to the right people. You have to, as you know, keep God first and that will make things work out a little smoother. You have to be patient with the process. And I think that is the main thing that makes it impactful. I agree. And, and in today's society, well, for a number of years now, we live in a very instant society where we want things done like chop, chop, chop. God just says, no, just hang on a second. Let's kind of let this grow. Let's let this uh, develop in you and change you and mold you to be more like him. That's the journey. The journey is pausing to realize that because of being in a falling world and being going through the filter of culture, going through the filter of parents, going through the filter of whatever country you live in, you're trying to fight that culture, fight that particular thing in order to be more like God. And so you have to be patient with the process because eventually people say when you pass on that you graduated like we're in school, but, and that's kind of really what we're doing. The process of what we're doing is learning to be a follower of God and to be remade in his image. So you talk about that journey and that journey of getting to know God. So how did your journey start? Interestingly enough, because as I talk to different people and minister to different people, my journey is a little different in this way. I grew up in church 
the typical way that they call religion nowadays is kind of what I did. I didn't really have a relationship or really understand a relationship with Jesus. And so because of that, the challenge for me was getting to that relationship and accepting that relationship. When I joined the military, I was kind of looking for the relationship, but still ignoring it. I was a young man and do, but young people do. So I came to the realization uh, by what Apostle Paul says, that we are without excuse because we see the sun, the moon, the stars, and all the things that God designed. So my realization is there's no other being in comparison who could do all these things. And so mine was an intellectual decision. And then the spiritual aspect became elevated and clear as I am being remade. I started to understand the spiritual aspect of God and the relationship aspect of God, because initially that wasn't there. I was mostly making a decision. There is a God. Now I want to get to know who and what that God is. So my journey kind of took that path. And then I started to go into school school and church classes and different things like that and participate and started to get to know him. So my journey kind of took that path. Well, firstly, let me say thank you for your service. I really appreciate what you've done for your country. And it's so important to recognize that. And I just want to give you that praise for signing up and setting aside that time in your life to serve your country. It's much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. It's interesting that each of us has an individual journey through backgrounds and experience and challenges and life, God is so faithful to bring us all back to the point of recognition that we can't do it without him. Yes. I've tried several things without God. (laughs) I'm sure you probably have too. It just works better if you're patient with the process and you acknowledge God in all your ways, you're actually more comfortable and there's less stress. One of the things that I consistently pray about now is that there's harmony at my job site. I want to expand that to other places I work. I I pray for uh, people at church. I'm sure many people do, but that's what I want. I don't just want to be at work and have a pleasant day. I want there to be harmony at my job site. One of the reasons I want that is so that I can spread the word of God and that other people there can spread the word of God too. Not just me, it's not just me alone. In order to do that, I have to be willing to take a step back and listen to what God has for me, putting him first. And what God has for me and putting him first is I'm a Christian all day, not till a parking lot. Then I go into work and then as, as I drive out of the parking lot, I put Christianity back on. Yes, that ministry still works and is supposed to work all day. I agree. It's very important. I know we've been realizing that more and more ourselves over the past little while, especially we're seeing nowadays in some of the bigger churches and some of the ministries around the world, there's cracks starting to develop and things coming to the surface and and people leaving for a number of different reasons. And yet the Bible says whatever can be shaken will be shaken, not only within the church, but outside the church as well. And we're seeing that day after day after day around us, economically and socially, financially, and all those different areas. I'm sure that when you're working with people through the different things that you do, helping them to understand how God can give them, one, as you talk about getting the right advice and mentorship, and two, understanding how God can help them through these challenges. What do you say about that? 
the right mentorship, the Bible says, don't be quick to make somebody a minister, a pastor, or elevate them in a church. Your personal responsibility with that is you're on a lifelong journey to be remade in the image of Christ because of the fallen world. So you have to seek advice in order to give good advice. That's why I tell people, consider who you're getting advice from. Where do they get their advice from? Do they go to counseling? Do they have a mentor? Do they have a guru? And listen to those gurus or those mentors and counselors if they publish anything as well. That person that you're talking to, you're getting a specific read on what they have to say because they know you. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a responsibility to get information other sources. And so if you're having that relationship one-on-one with a particular counselor or pastor or minister, also look where they get their advice. And so for you personally, you should be doing the same thing. If you're giving advice, look at where you should get sourced as well, which is obviously the Bible first, and you pass everything through that lens, then it'll make more sense as time goes on because a 20-year-old is not going to give the same advice as a 40-year-old or a 70-year-old because of life experience. If they are, I would consider looking for a different advisor. (laughs) (laughs) True enough. So that, that kind of leads me into my next question is, you're talking about seeking sound advice. And obviously, for us, that's the Bible, because the Word of God never passes away. And I'm always saying that it's the truth that we can measure everything against. Yes. What kind of advice would you give to people when they're hearing these different voices around them or to them, or maybe even in their own mind about different things that they're doing or planning on doing or experiencing or struggling with, what kind of test would you point them towards? What kind of measure would you point them towards to check or verify that advice that they're getting to make sure that it is sound advice? In the New Testament, Jesus gives two commandments. The two commandments are, if if you have a listener that is not familiar, he says, love thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. And the second commandment is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. So they are connected. So what I tell people is, if you consider any piece of advice through that lens, what is God trying to tell us? And what is God trying to tell me? And who is God in this passage? If you use that when you open up the word of God, who is God? What is God trying to tell us as humanity? And What is God trying to specifically tell me? That'll help quiet your mind. That'll help you focus. And also when you get advice from a particular person or you have a thought goes through your mind, it'll help you say, okay, what am I going to do now that I realize this is not biblically correct or the life I want to live? If the life I want to live is not in line with this, then I need to go in a different direction or seek different counsel. Because the Bible says out of many counselors, you, you can do wise things. So I would say that first, if, if there's a lot of different voices coming at you, sometimes you have to steal away. And what I mean by that is go to the beach, go to a quiet lake, go for a long walk away from people where there's not a lot of distractions or you're not going to be distracted by whatever's in that particular area. And then pray <laughs> and listen. Praying is not just talking, it's also listening and waiting. And then take it through that lens. Who is God in this particular thing? And how can I serve this particular situation? This particular situation may be daunting, but serving means what is my responsibility to myself, my family, those I love, 
the culture, the world at large, and serving my God. That refocuses what you should want to do now that you say, okay, this task is pretty large. How do I want to serve my God? How do I want to serve everybody around me? And I think that that gives it a little bit of uh, clarity and it kind of excuses or pushes away some of the wrong thinking, so to speak. It also helps us focus on the eternal, valuable things and, and take our minds away from the temporal things of this world, because these are all going to pass away. Two things you can't escape, death and taxes, right? That's what they say. You know? yeah, and, yeah. and as we get further on in life, we get a lot closer to that death we're all going to face and immediately we're going to be standing before God. So it's very important that we look at the challenges and we look at the things that we're going through to take the time. And as you said, to reconcile those against the good things that God has for us to change the way we're living our life. Yeah. And that means even selling a car that's not working for you. It may be your passion to have that car. You always wanted that car or you always wanted these jewels, or you always wanted this particular job. Now that you got it, if it's not serving your purpose in line with God, then you have to ask yourself, am I going to still continue down this path? Or am I going to change? I may need to get rid of these jewels or this collection of shoes, whatever particular thing that was causing a lot of headache between you and your spouse or you and your family, because those things are temporary. I'm working on the second volume of a book. And that's what I say. One of the things we have to remember is the only permanent relationship you ever have is your relationship with God in this life. Now, the spiritual answer to that is a little different, and I understand that. But what we have to understand in this life, the only permanent relationship that you'll ever understand that you have is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Talking about that, I was I was speaking with someone on the phone the other day and I asked them if I could pray with them and they, if there was something I could pray for them for, and they said, yeah, I'm feeling exhausted. And I knew in my heart, just from the tone of their voice and and what they were saying, that there were relationships in their life that were pulling them down and they were struggling to make these relationships work. They were exhausting themselves. That was the same kind of counsel that I felt prompted to share with them was that you need to cut off those relationships that aren't helping you walk in a closer relationship with God. That's, it is hard, but that's one of the things I realized in my study of the word of God is everything in the Bible is about relationships. He even talks about washing your hands before meals, talks about disciples fasting and why they should fast now and why they should not fast because of his presence. And that's who they're trying to get close to when you fast, even our relationship to dirt in the air is all covered in the Bible, our relationship to animals, our relationships to uh, people who eat meat, and our relationships to people who don't eat meat is covered in the Bible. Everything is about a relationship, but our only permanent relationship is to our Father. When we realize that, sometimes it's easier to let things go. Addictions, behaviors towards a relationship because we this person's been in our life and they've served us and we've served them and we think this is going to be forever for whatever reason it becomes toxic it becomes unhealthy it takes you off track of being in line with god then that relationship may need a pause or need may need to be severed and that's what i tell people every relationship doesn't necessarily have to be 
we're in each other's face all the time, all day. <laughs> and I don't mean necessarily marriage. I'm talking about brothers and sisters and cousins or whatever, because sometimes we have been doing that for the last 10 years or since we were children. That doesn't mean we can't take a pause and reassess ourselves, because sometimes that's the best time to reassess what you're doing in your life and your relationship with God is if you get a chance to take a pause, take a break, maybe a week or two, maybe two or three years, depending on the relationship and reassess and go forward. Sometimes you realize, okay, that's what the problem was for me is these two or three cousins of mine or these two or three business partners. They just aren't in line with what I'm trying to do and who I am now. When we were 20, great. Now that I'm 67, (laughs) not so much. As you said earlier, pray about it all. Wisdom from the Lord that comes through prayer and quieting our mind with all the the noise. Yeah. To hear his direction and what he wants. He says that our steps are ordered by the Lord. It's important to plug into that wisdom that he's willing to give us if we just ask for it. We talked earlier in the show, part of the thing you do is uh, being a musician. I had asked you to, before we started, and I'll ask you again, your album that you just put out is a mix of instrumental classical and jazz. Explain to me two things why that mix and how your faith intertwines with those two styles of music. That mix is because of who I'm listening to mostly. I listen to a wide variety of artists. While I was making this particular project called Blessings on Instrumental Road, I came across Chris Bodie, Yanni from years ago, John Tesh. I also came across the Robert Glasper Project and several other musicians, Prince, So when I'm listening to them and they have music that I can enjoy, that's what I start to put together. In my mind, it sounds right. When I start to put it in a computer and mix it, it may not sound right, but I keep working on it till I can get it right. So that's where the mix comes from. The way God talks to me about the music is I feel like I'm worshiping and I'm serving him with a gift. He gave me the gift to make music, produce music, write lyrics, the whole nine. So I think I'm serving him and I think he's pleased with it as I talk to him, as we were talking about, do you want to search him and his ways to be upon your life? As I created the music, some of the pieces, I looked through scripture to title them. One of the tracks is called Build. When I was looking at the story of Noah, it sounds like a soundtrack that might go with that story. And that's kind of the classical music. And it also has a little jazziness to it. And that's how I put it together is if I'm reading that and I go, this sounds like it might actually go in a movie about the story of Noah. That's how I put it together. And your book, Challenging Our Worldviews with a More Excellent Way. So tell us a little bit about your book. Challenging Your Worldview is because of my many conversations with a lot of different people in my journey. I've got to talk to a lot of atheists. And when I say atheists, I mean, people who are partial believers, people who used to believe, used to go to church, people who are mad at God, people who really have never heard of God, or people who acknowledge Jesus Christ, but they're just not going to do anything about it. That coupled with a lot of people who say they believe in God, and they're really casual Christians, meaning they don't really take a formal or a specific activity seeking a relationship with God. And so when they seek me for counsel and wisdom, one of the things I noticed is whether they're atheist, whether they're partially atheist, or whether they're a believer or a casual believer, a lot of them have not infused God into their thinking. 
And so I said, well, let me challenge how you see your culture because their culture takes over what their parents said, takes over with their countrymen, whatever politician they love, they takes over their mindset much more so than God. So when I was compiling this, I put in intentional listening. I put in loving hard money's purpose, the people around you picture yourself as a offended. Those are different topics I wanted to explore and also get people to think about if God is true in all of your life, how does he actually touch all of your life? Because I got to talk to all of those different people and realize they're not really infusing their relationship or their belief or that there is a creator into their life. That's really what's wrong. Like we were saying before, if you put God first and you're willing to acknowledge him throughout your steps as he orders your steps, but you keep pushing him away, you're not going to have the healthiest lifestyle or things that you want to do. If God is God, and I obviously believe he is, then he has a purpose for us. And if he has a purpose for us, that means he's already made happiness and excellence and completeness and wholeness possible. Otherwise, he's not a loving God. Part of the definition of love is he doesn't insist on his own way, which means he'll allow you to make other decisions, but his way is still the right way. That's why I put that book together is to make people think about in their different aspects of their life. God actually touches every aspect of your life, whether you want him to or understand he is or not. He's actually in that relationship. So if you have a relationship with a spouse, it'll be much better if you actually pray with your spouse. If you just pray in the car before work and your husband or your wife never hears you pray or your kids never hear you pray, you're not really infusing them into your relationship with God. Obviously, God instituted marriage, and so he wants to acknowledge him. He wants you to acknowledge him that he's in that relationship. If you're not willing to do that, I would question, are you really having a relationship with God? If you say to yourself, well, my wife isn't, or she's a different faith or belief system than I am, why can't you share who God is with your spouse? That's what my first question is. That seems out of balance already, which makes me think that you don't understand who your God is. Now, that's talking about the Christian God. If you're talking about a different God, I'm willing to have that conversation with you and understand that. But out of my study of different religions and different belief systems, all those gods still want you to share who they are with people around you. So why is God not in your relationship with your spouse? That's how I decided to put the book together, challenging your worldview. Your worldview is what you do and how you interact around you. If that's true, the next step after you infuse God into those relationships, how is your relationships going to be better? Because after you say, okay, I want to acknowledge God, I want to seek God in my relationships, can my relationship be better because there is a Christian God who is the right way? And if that is true, I should be able to expect my relationship to be better. And so that's why the last chapter is called Truth Narrowing the Wide View, because I want people to say, okay, now that I accept some of these precepts, these ideas, what should I expect next? The truth of living a life in Christ should bring fruit, as uh, the New Testament talks about. You know a person is living a life in Christ because they bear fruit. If you watch a person all day, if you're with a person all day or all week, you just met them. Okay, this person never prays. <laughs> so are they keeping their faith a secret? Are they belief in God a secret? They never pray. And I spent this much time with them. 
that should be a red flag about a person who professes that there is a God. Amen. Real quickly, as we wrap this up, where can people find more about what you're offering them in your book? My website is marcusonemedia.com. Marcus, the number one, media.com. You can find me on different platforms such as Instagram and Facebook uh, using that. And of course, on YouTube. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been an absolute blessing to talk with you about the things of God and your journey and just those clear guidelines that we have for living life as we serve Jesus. Thank you very much for being here. And I hope that we can do it again another time. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and it's good to meet you. And hopefully maybe one day we'll make some music together. Johnny, I want, I would definitely want to check out some of your tunes and may God's blessing be upon you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless. You, you hold me safe in your arms. I can't slip away. It's your love that has captured my soul today. So I'm yours to change. Lord, take my heart and make me who you are. I give it all to you. The old has died, the new has come to life, and I'll never be the same. I'm forever changed. enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. 
Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.